questions. Why did Jesus go into the desert to be tempted? And what can we learn from Matthew chapter 4 that's pertinent to our life today? What does it mean to me when I'm going through a rough time at the way Jesus dealt with the rough times that he had to go through? That's what we're going to talk about today in Pastor Paul's Bible Chat from the weekend of Saturday, February 13th. I do these live on YouTube and TikTok every weekend, but sometimes you don't get to follow along. So I like to bring it here as a podcast as well. So I hope you'll enjoy it. Before we get into it, let me offer you one thing here. And I hate talking about money as much as anybody. And sometimes I worry that it'll be a trigger for people who have dealt with pastors asking for money before. That's why I like to do it a little differently. And here's how I do it differently. I offer you something in return and not some silly gift of a prayer globe for the world for the gift of $120. No, what I offer you hopefully is value. Also, I want you to know I'd be derelict in my duty to my family, my wife, and my kids if I didn't ask you and give you this offer. So, if you join my NPE Patreon community for as little as $5.99 a month, not only will you be helping spread the message of Pastor Paul in the nonpartisan evangelical, but you'll get some cool stuff in exchange. At the $5.99 level, you get to be a part of my private Facebook group. So I do some things there I don't do anywhere else. And, you know, like if I do a podcast, sometimes I'll have the guest do a part just live in that Facebook group. And you'll get to see that uh, before anybody else gets to hear the guest on our podcast. Even ask questions or any of those things. Also, if um, you love my novel, or maybe you don't even know about it, it's called Joseph Comes to Town When the Religious Right Becomes Religiously Wrong. What would Jesus say to the evangelical church were he on earth today? Well, that's what my novel deals with. And if you do the $5.99 or more on my Patreon site, you get to hear the audiobook version of it if you like that better than reading. So go to my website, pastor-paul.com, click on that Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner and join and help support what I'm doing to spread this word that God is not mad at you to all the world. And because you do that, then also I do two lives a week. They're called Pastor Paul's Walk and Talks on TikTok. I do at least four to six TikTok videos a day talking about the Bible and theology and how the politics of the church are damaging that. I do a Pastor Paul's Bible chat on Saturday morning, Paul and Ashley live, our live discussion on Saturday mornings, and then a spiritual gathering Zoom church on Sunday morning. All of that is supported by what you give to our Patreon site. So pastor-paul.com, Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner. If you're not on your desktop, for some reason that Patreon button doesn't show up and we haven't been able to get that fixed yet, we will. But you can just go straight to our Patreon site, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash npepodcast.com slash nonpartisan evangelical NPE podcast. So let me say that again because I think I just messed it up. Patreon.com slash NPE podcast. And I will be infinitely grateful for your support. Now let's go to the open and then Pastor Paul's Bible chat. Why did Jesus have to suffer in the desert? And what does that mean for us in our life on this week's Pastor Paul's Bible chat?
For those willing to listen, learn, and have eyes to see and ears to hear, this is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast. I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? Challenging the mindset of right-wing Christianity and encouraging people to have their minds renewed and hearts transformed. What knucklehead, mush-for-brains evangelical leaders are trying to, uh, to overthrow Trump. It's a special kind of dumb and calling yourself a Christian. Let's have better conversations about the life modeled in the Bible so we can truly tell the world God is not mad at you. This is the Nonpartisan Evangelical Podcast at npepodcast.com. All right, guys. So Matthew chapter four. So what just happened in Matthew chapter three is we had the baptism of Jesus. Um, We met John the Baptist. um, And then Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, which John was endorsing Jesus as the Messiah. So remember this. As you're reading the Bible, you have to, it's really important you understand the context of what you're reading. Hi, Farmers Branch, Texas. Reading the context is very important. That means you need to understand who it's being written to, who it's being written by. Oh my gosh, Lincoln, Nebraska, it's negative two. Hi, Dana. I went to high school in North Platte, Nebraska, so I understand what Nebraska cold is. Hi, deeply rooted mom. My friend Lacey, she's going to be on a podcast coming up here in a couple of weeks. So here's the context of what we're reading. So the book is called Matthew. And the statement of that is that Matthew, the disciple of Jesus, wrote it. Now, some people would say, no, all of those disciples' names were added after the fact. And some say, see, that proves the Bible isn't true. I read the Bible this way. If it wasn't Matthew that wrote it, it still doesn't change what it's telling me. I still love the story. I don't get bogged down in sort of that silly stuff. All I want to know is, when I read Matthew, I want to understand this. It's written by a Jewish person. And they're the kind of the goal of the book as you read it, you get the sense that the goal, hi, first timer from New Mexico. Good to see you. I lived in El Paso, Texas for a while. That's almost like New Mexico. Um, And the goal of the writer of Matthew was to prove, you can see that kind of their goal underneath what they're writing is to prove that Jesus is the the Jewish Messiah. And so understand that as we're reading. And that so the audience is Jewish people. So when you understand the writer's intent and who the audience is, that they're receiving it, then you can start to interpret what's happening. That's why sometimes I give interpretations of what I'm reading and people are like, "It, it doesn't say that. Because if we read the Bible as Americans, I think all of you are from America, in English and believe it was written by Americans in English for Americans in English, then you, you miss the point of what's, what's happening here. And, and I think we have to stop fighting over kind of silly little things of like, did Matthew really write it or not? I don't actually really care. I love the story and I love what it's the inspiration it's giving us. So I think that's really important to understand as we're Bible chatting together is, is I'm always coming. And so I'll always have sort of prudent fundamentalists who are like, no, you're, you know, you're reading that into the text. Yes, I am, because I understand where the writer's coming from. 
who the audience is the writer's writing to and what they're trying to do. And that enlivens the text to us. And I believe I have some of God's spirit that enlivens what I'm reading. So I can kind of give you some insight into what we're seeing there. So, and if you agree, great. If not, cool, we're good. But I just want you to understand that's an important way when you're reading the Bible. If you're reading it as an American in English and and you um, interpret it from that perspective, as so many Christians do, you can truly miss the point of what you're reading. And it happens so, so, so often with people that I engage with on social media, Christians that are angry, like you're not interpreting that correctly. Well, it's because I'm looking through the historical contextual interpretation rather than just interpreting it as the American English speaking church has interpreted it. Okay. Thank you for sharing the live. If you can share this live, that'll be great. Thank you for the follows. If you could follow me, that will be great on YouTube as well. If you can subscribe and YouTube guys, I'm going to figure out how to let you comment by next week. I also see somebody has put uh, a question in the question box. And so that box at the bottom that has the little question mark, that's a new feature from TikTok. Um, so you can uh, leave a question there and it'll be there when I get a chance to go to the questions. So thank you, Kay Garrett, for saying you love my video. So let's read a little bit of the Bible together. So bless this time of reading the Bible, God. Matthew 4, and the header says the temptation of Jesus. Now, one thing that's important to remember in the Bible as well is those headers were put in later. They weren't part of the original writing. And so that was the interpretation some people put in there. Um, and many, many Bible scholars say using the word temptation here is is a misinterpretation. Where did I put my coffee? That actually testing is the better interpretation of that word. So rather than Jesus sort of being tempted, he's being tested. But I don't know that that's a huge issue one way or the other. But it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now that's the, the spirit of antichrist. That's, that's something that sets, it up, sets itself up in opposition to being Christ-likeness. A lot of people ask me, do you think Trump is the antichrist? And I say always, like, I'm not looking for a person to come and be the antichrist. I'm always looking at spirits or mindsets around us and say, that's an antichrist spirit. So yes, I do believe that Donald Trump is enlivened by a spirit that is anti-Christ. It's not Christ-like. And many of us are like that. But uh, no, I don't believe he is the anti-Christ. And in fact, I'm not looking for a the anti-Christ. I just want to be in opposition to anti-Christ spirits, like what we saw on January 6th in Washington, D.C. All right. Thank you, Marcus, for the amen. Don't forget, you can leave questions down in the question box. So it says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he, Jesus, answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, the devil, the tempter, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Do you hear that verse, anti-maskers? You shall not put your Lord to the test. Anti-maskers, do you hear that verse? 
just anti-maskers. Thou shalt not put your Lord to the test. It's not about faith. It's don't put your Lord to the test. In other words, it's saying, don't be a dumbass. So I hope you're enjoying the podcast today. And I talked to you at the beginning about supporting our work through Patreon. And one of the things I mentioned is you get to have the audiobook version of my novel, Joseph Comes to Town, When the Religious Right Goes Religiously Wrong. Now, you regular listeners already know, but there's a lot of new people coming in every day, so I have to keep explaining that Joseph Comes to Town is my imagination of what Jesus would say to today's American Evangelical Church were he on earth in the flesh. Uh, during our time. And it's really good. I love it. I think you're going to enjoy it. And if you like audiobooks, the only place you can get the audio is on my nonpartisan evangelical Patreon group. And so again, go to the website pastor-paul.com. It'll take you to the podcast website. And in the upper right hand corner, there's a join our Patreon button in that corner. And if you're on a device, you got to go straight to the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash NPE podcast, patreon.com slash NPE podcast. I'll put that in the podcast notes. You're going to love the audiobook. And I do it in a series. And I also do exclusive commentaries to say what I was thinking while I was there writing, putting it all together, editing, and bringing the book to you. It's worth it for just $5.99 to sign up and help invest in the work that we do here at the Nonpartisan Evangelical and through Pastor Paul. The messages are amazing and people love them. You should hear some of the responses when people say, I quit reading the Bible, but now I'm reading it again because of your TikTok posts. That makes it all worth it. And I would love to see you jump in and help. If you don't have the money, it's okay. I don't want to put any pressure. I am hesitant to even do anything for money because I know sometimes that's a trigger for people. But I'm like you. I have to make a living and this is what we feel like. God has for us to do. And so part of that is asking you to invest in that, but not just as a giving for a tax deduction, uh, because now it's about getting something good in return, as well as loving on people around the world. So I hope you'll jump in and help. Go to pastor-paul.com, click on that Patreon button in the upper right-hand corner, or patreon.com slash podcast, and I'll be forever grateful. Now, back to this podcast. Hope you're enjoying it on the Nonpartisan Evangelical at npepodcast.com. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you shall not put your Lord to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all of these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. And so then in the rest of the chapter, we see Jesus begins his ministry. He calls uh, Andrew and Peter. Uh, he starts preaching. Because John had been arrested, he doesn't go back to Nazareth, his hometown, but instead goes to Capernaum, where he spent most of his ministry life before going to Jerusalem to, to be crucified. And so that's what we see in the rest of chapter four. But I want to go back and go through this, this passage of, of the testing of Jesus. And what I see here, yeah, don't apologize, they need to hear it. 
what I see happening here is something that's really important and a deeply rooted mom there you see is my friend Lacey. She's in my coaching cohort. I do emotional well-being and spiritual coaching. And one of the things that is the very center of the goal of what I want to teach people, and, and frankly, my, my current cohort, we're talking about how this is tough for people, is to know our identity and our value, that, that knowing who we are is a really important thing. And when you really look at this story here in Matthew chapter four, what is being tested for Jesus is his, is his understanding of his identity. What's being offered to him here is ways of proving himself or of shortcuts to getting to his purpose and the fulfillment of his purpose and him consistently saying, no, no, I'm not going to take a shortcut. I don't need the help of shortcuts and unhealthy premises because I know who I am, and I know what my purpose is. And this is really important for you guys. The, the real key of knowing our identity starts with this. You are valuable because you exist. From a, from a God viewpoint of maybe my perspective of spirituality, I say you are valuable because God created you, and he created you just the way you are. That's one of the reasons I hate the treatment of the church with the LGBTQIA plus community is because what it's doing is telling people like what you're feeling inside of you is not valid and not, not what God put in you. You've made that up and you've bought into something and you're, you're sick. And I want to tell you, like my whole goal in teaching people their identity is like, let's stop putting this idea of good and bad on it, but let's start to look at why, why do you do what you do? And most of the time, the reason we do what we do is because we don't fully understand our identity. So we're looking for self-medicating purposes to help us bolster ourselves, or we're looking for shortcuts to, to get some purpose in life. Because let me tell you something about yourself. You have three things you need in my, this is kind of my interpretation of life. You need safety. And that's the number one thing. We're always going to go to safety. That's part of the reason people are running to QAnon conspiracy theories because they're scared. They're being told those people are coming to get you. Those boogeymen out there are coming to get you. So we want safety. And so we'll even run, if we're maybe a white boomer, to crazy conspiracy theories to try to make sure we're keeping ourselves safe. Safety is everything that, that starts. In, and, and then the second thing is value. We want to be valued and loved. And if we can't find value and love in a healthy way, we'll find it in an unhealthy way. And that's why some people do, uh, you know, have, uh, you know, will have habits that are damaging to them because we look for that unhealthy way to find value. And then the third thing we need is um, purpose. So safety, value, and purpose. And if we're not finding those things in a healthy way, then we'll start to look for unhealthy ways. And so what we see here is this, this antichrist spirit, the tempter, is coming to offer these shortcuts to safety, value, and purpose to Jesus. Okay? I love that you guys are chatting. Sometimes it distracts me, and I've got to kind of keep my, keep my eyes off of it or it gets me. But So what's being tested here in Jesus is his safety, value, and purpose. So... Um, he's been, he, he goes into the desert. So one thing that's really interesting, I'm sorry, I'll stop saying so. So what's really interesting about this is this verse one of this chapter, it says, Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness. I'm reading from the English standard version, by the way. So 
It was the spirit of God. It was something inside of Jesus that is intermingling with heaven and the universe that says, hey, go into the desert or into the wilderness. And this space really exists in Israel, this place where there aren't resources. And so it says he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. You know, what this always tells me is that that Jesus knew the importance of being self-actualized, of, of finding his centering. If I can use some of the sort of new age language, he, he would get away from people and go and sit and, and really figure out what was happening with himself. So he was led by his spirit and his spirit in intermingling with the spirit of heaven into the wilderness. And it says to be tempted by the devil. And so the question is, oh my goodness, is, is God's spirit going to lead me into really bad things to be tempted by the devil? And my answer to that is no. The Bible says God will not tempt us beyond uh, that which we can stand up under. So we don't have to fear that. But know this, when you look at the stories of the people of the Bible, Moses, Joseph, David, Elijah, all of them had this valley period where it looked like, ooh, my purpose is not going to come to fruition. The belief I had of myself is not going to be fulfilled. And it turned out that those times of being in the wilderness, of being in the pit, of Joseph being in prison, were incredible preparation times for them. That Jesus actually finds out how powerful he is by being tempted at the most base level of his needs for safety, value, and purpose. So you may be going through something right now, or you may be saying like, I don't think I'm going to succeed, or my purpose was stolen, or I'm disappointed that things didn't work out the way I thought they were going to work out. And let me tell you, those times are the times you really find out who you are. Those are the times that you're either going to find unhealthy ways to satisfy those needs to be safe, uh, safety valued and, and have purpose, or it's the times you're really going to find out who you are. And there's nothing more valuable than finding out that place where you are. So if you're in that valley today, if you're in that pit, if you're in that prison, both figuratively or literally, say, this is where I am today. And I'm going to get out of this what I'm supposed to get out of it, because I want to know who I am. And once I really know who I am, and I'm walking in who I am, nothing's going to be able to knock me off of that. Many of you say to me, man, how do you deal with all the people that come on and call you false teacher and all these other things? And I'll, and I'll admit, sometimes it does ding me and we'll see that in Jesus as well. But what I have to keep reminding myself and my friend Lacey would know this is my I am statement. I go back to who I am and remind myself of who I am. And I say these things to myself out loud. I am this, I am this, I am this. So Knowing who you are is really valuable. And if you're in that season of disappointment, of feeling like your purpose has been knocked off course, it may just be the most valuable time you've ever been in in your life. I had accusation come at me as a church leader from people in our church, from staff members, some of it fair, some of it coming from their really unhealthy place. And it was so painful but it changed my life forever because I leaned into it and said, okay, this is a valley. This is a test. How am I going to embrace that? And I got, I got a coach. I got a psychologist and I worked through who am I? What is the story I'm telling myself? And that's what we see in Jesus here. Thank you, CE Media. We see in Jesus here 
now he's so he's hungry is the first thing and and so this the the tempter spirit says you know do a miracle change these rocks to bread you know and sometimes we may want to say what's the miracle that can happen to get me to where i need to go what's the shortcut that can happen and Jesus says, no, I'm supposed to be in this fast. I'm supposed to be in this valley. I'm supposed to be hungry right now. I don't want to subvert the process I'm in. So he says, no, I'm not going to do that. Then there is this, you know, go up to the top of the temple. Now, did the devil really take Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple to stand on it? Again, some would say, oh, that can't happen. There's no way that could happen. Or there is no devil or all those things. It could be, I'm okay with the story being allegory and, and figurative. I'm not going to argue those things. I really don't need to. Somehow, either Jesus was on top of the temple, which we're told is one of the most spectacular buildings ever built. Or he had a vision that he was or something like that. Either way. And the spirit was telling him, jump off and let the angels save you. And again, it's like, and then everybody's really going to know who you are because you're going to have this amazing miracle story. And Jesus said, the only way I'm going to try to do something crazy like that is if I'm sure that's a part of my purpose and a healthy advancement of where I'm going. I think there are times we take sort of leaps of faith, jumping off the temple um, to go for our purpose. But if you do that without knowing that's really a part of who you are and your purpose, then you're like, okay, God, I'm going to force your hand. It's kind of like what Judas did in, in turning Jesus, and he wanted to try to force the future. It's what, again, what we saw in January 6th, people saying, we can, we can force God's hand to make America great again by this insurrection. And it's not what God asks us to do. And it is literally partnering with an antichrist spirit to try to bring heaven to earth. And it actually is like the ultimate sin because it's like, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Love God above all else. And if we start taking, making history happen into our hands with something like this, rather than just doing the work of being the hands and feet of God, we're going to end up knocking ourselves off track or we're partnering with something not from heaven. Love seeing your guys' names pop up. Remember, share this, follow me, do all those cool things if you can. So that was the second test. Then the third was, was then this ultimate like, okay, let's get your purpose fulfilled in sort of an illegal shortcut way. Sometimes, you know, we see this a lot in politics. Mitch McConnell today saying he's going to vote to acquit the president you can get yourself in a place where you start to believe there are shortcuts to getting what you need rather than doing the right thing. So we're seeing this in many of our Republican senators right now. They're looking for a way to avoid the obvious that they should, they should vote um, to you know, find the president guilty, but they're looking for the off-ramp. What's a way I can, I can do this without like looking like I just did something political and sold my soul without having to make the hard decision. And so what Jesus has been promised is that his kingdom will advance through the world. So remember this, Abraham was promised that his lineage 
would be the sands of the seashore. And we learned in Matthew 1 that Jesus is a part of that inheritance of Abraham's lineage. And then David was promised that his throne would be set up over the world forever. And we saw in Matthew 1 that Jesus is a part of that lineage of David. And so what the Antichrist spirit is telling Jesus here is, I can give you all those kingdoms. Here's a shortcut to getting that. And Jesus is saying, no, sorry, my dog is joining in on this thing. That dog drives me insane. But Jesus is saying, no, I don't want to try to take some shortcut by partnering with a political spirit or an antichrist spirit or doing something unethical. You know, that's the biggest thing about politics is it tells somebody like Mitch McConnell or Lindsey Graham that the ends justify the means. Ted Cruz, a Christian guy who believes getting to God's good ends of making America great again means you can do anything to get there and God will forgive your malfeasance to get there. And this is saying, no, 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 that is a lie. And Jesus says, um, you know, be gone. You're to worship the Lord your God alone, and him only will you serve. So taking unrighteous, unethical means to try to get to your purpose is partnering with something not from heaven. So that's what Jesus is, how the dog is speaking in tongues. Um, I don't know, but he's about to be spoken to quite harshly by me if he doesn't knock this off. And I'm looking outside, it's getting dark outside. Maybe it's going to rain today again in Fresno. So what Matthew 4 to me is telling us today is like, there may be something telling you, I'm in this dry period. And it's really hard and you're looking for a way to get out. I'm kind of there right now because here's a silly thing. I'm being shadow banned by TikTok. Like none of my videos are getting any views or, or anything. And it's, and, and I've been planning, you know, sort of my building of my message and ministry strategy around TikTok. And so all of a sudden that's taken away um, by some random thing TikTok does. And it scares me a little bit, but the question is then, am I going to go into an unhealthy concern about that or losing of my belief in myself, or do I just keep plugging along and see where that path is going to lead me and say, I'm going to be stronger by walking through this. Well, yeah, there are still a few of you here. I thank you. Um, and I have to choose the healthy way, even if the healthy way is the harder way, because those are the times that really determine who we are. And, and Matthew four is showing us that Jesus understanding of who he is. That doesn't mean he didn't, get discouraged. I think we see he went off and had to pray all night because he was struggling. We see that there were times that he wasn't, uh, I think, feeling at his best. And that discouragement will come. But those are also the times that are going to really determine who we are. Okay, so bless you and bless the word of God for you from Matthew 4 today. All right, so let me take some questions now. I wish I brought some water. And yeah, never cheat. You are helping me, says Gene Fanning. Awesome. Listen, let me do finish with this looking right at you guys. You are valuable. You're who God made you to be. You should have an expectation of being safe, valuable, and purposeful. You were created for that purpose. 
And if anything in your life is telling you, well, good things don't happen for me, they happen for other people. And I can just be happy for those people. I say, no, that is not the truth of you. You may be in a valley today. You may be being tested by the tempter today, but that's going to be exactly the thing that's going to make you the powerful person that God has for you to be. Okay. Okay. All right. You can hit that question button and ask questions down below. Okay. Wow. We have some good questions here. Wow. We have a lot of them too. Let me, let me see if I can jump on these now. What are your views on purity culture in the church? <laughs> so I did a video. Um, I have this new Q and a button on my page. And so immediately, like in the first 12 questions, probably six of them were questions from young people saying, I'm gay, I'm bi, my parents are gonna put me out of the house. My church is gonna reject me, what do I do? And, and that video I did this week, you can look on my, on my profile page, was where we end up in eternity, where we end up in the judgment of God today and in, and in eternity has nothing to do with our actions, who we are, who we love. Um, and I, I used the passage from Romans that said um, that Abraham, it says Abraham was credited his righteousness, not because of his actions, but because he believed God. Sorry, I'm looking at my hair a little bit here. But because he believed God, his relationship with God was that God was priority in his life. And because of that, he was declared righteous. He didn't have to say a sinner's prayer. He didn't have to ask Jesus into his heart to be Lord and Savior of his life and go through some act and join a Christian church. The Christian church, of course, didn't exist then, but, but there was no action that he was required to partake to have righteousness with God. And it didn't matter who he was married to or who he loved or any action like that. So purity culture then was this idea of let's wear a purity ring. I'm not going to have sex. And, and what the purity culture really did, and, and probably uh, Lacey who asked that question maybe even be able to tell more of me, but, but it ended up doing a lot of really harmful things to young people. It told them that sex is bad. You know, here's the message of the church. Sex is bad. 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 You're married now. Have sex and have a lot of it and go enjoy it. We told young girls, you are a temptation to boys and men, and you need to be careful of that. Rachel Held Evans, a wonderful writer that I love, who passed away a few years ago, she, she talked about her um, stumbling blocks, that she was uh, well endowed as a young woman and was told she had stumbling blocks on the front of her chest, not you're made perfectly the way God wants you to be made. And she had to make sure and de-emphasize her stumbling blocks or else the boys around her would be led into sin. And, and again, I talk about this a lot. We see Mike Pence then perpetuating this as vice president of the United States saying, I will not meet one-on-one -on -one with women as if women are the problem. Okay, Lauren asked this question. Women, you're not the problem. If Mike Pence has a lust issue, he needs to take that to God and work that through and not put women at a disadvantage or make women feel like they're somehow dirty 
So listen, I understand why the Bible is is so strident on the sex issue because there are consequences to having sex with somebody. There's physical consequences, pregnancy, disease, there's emotional consequences. And so we should be very strident on making sure our sexual choices are for good reasons. But the book of Romans says the law actually creates sin. When we live by a written code, we actually create the temptation to sin in people. We take away the outlets for not sinning. We actually create sin. And so this, this strident sort of purity, anti-sex, anti-sexuality, anti-gender identity movement in the church does huge harm to young people in particular, but to all of us creates incredible shame. It just creates this great place for emotional unhealthiness. So what I say is sex was created by God to be enjoyable, to be a beautiful thing. Let's call it that. And let's be less concerned about saying what you do this, don't do this. If you do this young woman and your virginity is taken before you're married, you're ruined. And you, you know, maybe there's some miraculous restoration we can give you through prayer or something. But I would love a reference for that. It's in Romans. I, I'm sorry, I can't look it up now, but if somebody wants to look it up. But Paul, the whole book of Romans is about this juxtaposition of, okay, here's law, here's grace, here's law, here's grace. And the whole book is set up to get to Romans 8.28, which says, there is therefore because Jesus came now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That Jesus, the life he's modeling is saying, you can never be condemned for any action you do. And if I don't have to be worried about being condemned for my action, that my action not being inherently good or bad, then I can really start to evaluate, like, is what I'm doing from the best of me and the healthy place for me, or is it from an unhealthy place? So it's in, it's in Romans. I don't remember it off the top of my head. I believe it's in the passage that talks about um, Abraham's righteousness being because he believed God, I think is in Romans 5. I'm sorry if I have that wrong. But I can, I can look that up. If you send me a DM, I can get that for you. But Lauren, Romans 7.13. Thank you, Just Janet. Lauren, if you've been told that you're no good because you had sex before marriage, sex out of wedlock, God, I hate our Christian terms. We're so stupid. That you didn't keep your purity, that you got used up. I just say, that's ridiculous. And I just wipe that story away from you. And I say, the person that told you that was either just really injured by bad teaching that they were given over the years, which is probably the case or they've bought into some really evil, shame-based, fear-filled religion that God hates. You are amazing. You're who, who God created you to be, and he understands that you've made decisions in your life. All of us have made decisions in our life to find our safety, to find love, i.e. value. User 881 says, I did this to my three daughters and I feel horrible. Went to a church that taught this. You know what would be wonderful and healing for that is just tell your daughters that. Just say, I, I didn't understand. I think I just found my new pastor, says Marcus Aurelius. 
I'm honored, Marcus. Thank you. Yeah, if you're a parent that that did that, don't don't let shame now start to be heaped on you. But what's really powerful is like go to your daughters and say, I did that and I'm really sorry. I just didn't know any better. And I did it because I thought that was a way of showing love to you and, and being a good parent. But don't we have to ask forgiveness for our sins? So I think forgiveness for our sins really looks like coming to, to understanding because the, the book of James says, to him who knows to do right and does it not, to him it is sin. So the question is, what is sin? Sin is God giving you a path out from unhealthy actions and you saying, nope, I choose the unhealthy ones. You know, that's missing the mark of alignment with God. But if, but if I'm trying to to do what God naturally created me to do and give myself safety, value, and purpose. And I reach for an unhealthy tool to do that because I have no other way to do that. God is not going to hold that against me. So this idea of here's the code, which Romans and Hebrews tell us the code was a bad way. It was never God's intention to have here's 10 rules, follow these or else. Hebrews says, now, now, after the cross, after the life that Jesus showed us to displayed, now the law is written on our hearts and our minds. They're written in relationship through our spirit with intermingling with heaven and eternity and through our mind, through our ability to reason together and with God. And then I think there may be an eternal process. You know, the Catholics believe in purgatory, a place where kind of this holding place where we have to reckon with what happened in our lives. And I think there could be some of that in eternity. I do, you know, this gives me the hope of justice that, that you don't just get to do whatever you want on earth and we're all going to end up in heaven and just be giddy together. I think there is going to be a reckoning as we go into eternity for what we've done on life that is anti-Christ. I do think Donald Trump is going to have to face the reality of what he's done at some point, either in this life, which I'm sure he's dealing with it some, or in, in eternity after death, that there is some sort of reckoning and the Bible talks about hell. and it, But then it says the gates of heaven are open and the nations come and everyone bows down and says, Jesus Christ is Lord. So what I think all of that means is like, there will be a day of reckoning. There will be a day where our works, it says our works will be set up on the altar and fire will come and what was of earth will be burned away and what is of heaven will be left. And so I just think again, that's that purifying process. It's not like, and what I was always taught that meant when growing up is like, you thought you did all these good works, but you put them on the altar and they burn up and they're nothing because they weren't done in the name of Jesus. No, I think what it's saying is the things that happened out of our toil and strife and, and unhealthiness to try to get safety, value, and purpose are just going to be burned up by the goodness of God. And then the best of us, the essence of us is going to be left to live for eternity. And by the way, if there is an eternity, and this is a very existential thing, if there is an eternity with souls that are eternal, then we're already there. Like eternity is forever. So anyway, I won't go too deep in that, but maybe we are eternal souls connected in a way that's hard to understand. And 
this container of a body and this container of time and earth were created for a purpose of some sort of learning program to learn something that we will carry back on into eternity. And hell is that process of being deemed by the things of life and this purification going forward. Hope that answered the question. But, but what I want to take away for people is this fear of like, I have to tell people, um, I have to tell people not to be gay or they're going to go to hell. And so I get to be really self-righteous and condemning because I'm loving people by telling them they're not going to hell. Ah, bull. So what does God desire most from us? Praying for healing for David as he requests. Okay, I didn't see David's request. Mm-hmm, I have about eight minutes left. Is the, isn't that moment is Jesus struggling with suicide? Wow, I've never thought about that, CE Media. I wonder. I wonder. I've never heard that before. That's interesting. Could that have been a temptation to like Jesus having some idea of, sorry, my hair's, I keep seeing my hair and I'm like, oh crap, look at my hair. About time for a haircut again. Mm, Jesus struggling with suicide. It's interesting. I never thought of that, but it's an interesting possibility. Christian COVIDiots, are they killing Christianity? Yes, they're doing grave damage to the gospel. And that's when I believe God says, I'm going to get up from my chair and it's not going to go well for you. I think, I think the church as we know it today will not carry into the next generation because of what we're seeing going on now. And the data just backs that up. The, the data shows. And you're going to be hearing some things from me in the coming week here that I met, I met with a group of of leaders that have ties to evangelicalism that we're going to come out and start saying, hey, Christian church, you've you're doing some really bad things and you need to stand up and say, this is not okay. After 9-11, we told the Muslim Americans in our culture, you have to stand up and condemn this. And now it's time to say to the Christian church, January 6th, you need to stand up and condemn that. Now, can not wearing a mask be considered testing God? Yes, absolutely. I think 100%. What the what the antichrist spirit there, what the testing spirit was saying, hey, if you have faith, you can just throw yourself down and the angels are going to catch you. If you have faith, you don't have to wear a mask. And what was Jesus' answer? You're right. Wearing a mask makes me a sheep and controlled. Not in the slightest. He said, actually, testing the Lord was sin. I think anti-masking is specifically spoken against in that passage right there. Um, let's see. I don't, I don't want to just stay on Trump today. Which books most summarize the entire Bible? Are you talking about a non-biblical book or a biblical book there, Lisa? Because I'm not sure there's one book, you know, maybe the book of Isaiah is really sort of a, a description of the whole of, you know, why the Messiah is going to come and, and all of those things. I really like Isaiah, but but you need a good commentary to read along with it. Isaiah was a great writer. Um, okay, let me come back here to 
The Bible also says, abide by the laws of the land. Correct? Yes, it does. As many of my Christian friends quoted to me about Donald Trump, Romans 13, 1 through 5 says, you must honor Donald Trump. And I'd be like, but, but you didn't honor President Obama. You don't honor Governor Newsom in California. You don't honor Speaker Pelosi. Oh, but they're evil. <laughs> when Jesus was saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's, he was saying it's okay to obey civic law and be part of the kingdom of heaven at the same time. What if the laws were wrong? Now we always start getting into those semantics. Love God, love your neighbor. Yes, the law, the executive order from Donald Trump that said, let's put, let's separate families and let's put kids in cages, we're wrong. And we can speak up and say that law is wrong. Okay. Anybody else? Remember, you can hit the question box and give me a question. You are a breath of fresh air and loving truth. Thank you. Thank you. Kick, what is that? Kick kissings? Kiki sing? Oh, Kiki sings. Sometimes it's hard for me to understand your names. Jesus and his kenosis. Why do we make it so difficult? Do good and honor others. I'm not a Christian, but you make Christianity sound pretty good. I love it. I think, <laughs> I think Jesus was a really good guy. Yeah, what was it? There's a, there's the statement and I don't think Gandhi actually said it, but it's still really a truism of, you know, your Christ I love, it's your Christians I can't really abide. And the worst testimony to who God is, is the representatives of God on earth right now. I'm, I'm really disappointed in my Christian brothers and sisters. I think the story of following Jesus is an incredible story that we're perverting to such terrible stuff. Are we spiritual beings having a human experience? I, I actually sort of believe so. And that sounds a little like against my, my, my Christian upbringing. But yeah, I think, like I said, if, if we're eternal beings, eternity is outside of time. You, you can't like enter eternity and suddenly be an eternal being. If you're an eternal being, you're an eternal being. So anyway, you start getting into quantum physics and all that stuff. If I'm an eternal being, and the Bible says that we're able to hear the secrets of heaven, and there's sort of this mysterious stuff. So if I'm an eternal soul out there, and then I come into this container, which by the way, then it takes away some of the sting of even like abortion, like like I had a friend tell me, well, abortion steals the destiny of a, of a, of a person. I'm like, how? How? Does, can, is God not still big enough to provide a destiny beyond this place? I, I don't get that at all. That's, a, that's such a tiny view of who God is. If God has overcome death, he's overcome death. If we don't have to fear death, then why are we fearing it so much at that point when we don't give a shit about the people who are facing death through poverty and lack of health care and all these other things? In fact, we've had Christian pastors and representatives saying, it'd be good if some of these people die off to help this, that, or the other thing. We don't, we're not pro-life. Let's stop acting like we're pro-life. The Christian church is not pro-life. It's pro-birth. It's pro-political win a battle. 
We're not doing the things to limit unwanted pregnancies. We could care less about that. It's not about saving babies. So if we believe that we're spiritual beings, but abortion then takes that away, then our God is too small. And I'm not saying God celebrates abortion and loves it. I'm saying he's big enough to love everybody in the situation and we ought to be big enough too. So if I'm a spirit, if I'm an eternal being up here in heaven and a temporal being in this container down here, can the two connect? And can I hear wisdom and secrets that are outside the bonds of this universe and time and constraints of this body? I believe we can. I believe we can. And I believe we're supposed to. And I believe we can get it wrong. Somebody asked about these harmful prophecies that we're having out there. The Bible says that prophecy is going to come through the filter of what we're living in here. So we can get it wrong. We can get it very, very, very wrong. Man, how to explain the deconstruction movement. We're doing a page called Evangelicalish, my friends, Pastor Jeremy and April and I, and we're going to be talking a lot about deconstruction. I, I, I do edit a great video from a friend of mine named Pondering Worshipper. One of the most brilliant creators on TikTok is my friend Pondering Worshipper. I want you to go check out his page. And he did a thing about what deconstruction looks like of like, yes, I am a Christian and it's wonderful. And everybody loves me because we all agree on all this stuff together. And then all of a sudden he starts to, things start to change and he starts to say, watching people leave the church or get kicked out because they disagree with those things. And then he says, starting to realize that the things I'm starting to question are the things that made people leave or get kicked out in the past. And then he starts to say, starting to realize that if I reveal my questions out loud, it's going to cause me to have to leave or get kicked out. And then just finished on this really poignant note of like losing hope of, you know, being able to sort of reconcile the questions I have and what I'm seeing around me. So the deconstruction movement, I don't think, I don't like the word movement necessarily because it sounds coordinated. I just think God is like, the, the name of my company is Permission to Speak. I kind of wish now I had called it Permission to Think. I think God is just starting to reveal to people, and that's why we're all finding each other on social media. And, and what I'm trying to say is, guys, you get to rethink all of this. Okay, guys, I got to go. I got to get ready for my 1030 with my wife. Thank you for the good words out there. Hi, look both ways. Missed you today. By the way, if you missed this live, um, no, Miss Diva, the Bible is not clear on your view of hell at all, at all, not clear at all. You're wrong in that. <laughs> so make sure you go back and, and read that in the Bible. And uh, I, I would tell you, Miss Diva, go listen to a great podcast by a guy named Preston Sprinkle. The, the podcast is called Theology in the Raw, and he does a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant uh, thesis on the three Christian beliefs of uh, the three Christian beliefs of hell. And he spends a great deal of time saying, here's what the Bible says about this eternal torment. Here's what the Bible says about what is called uh, 
uh, I, oh gosh, I can't remember the exact name, but it's like, you're going to be in hell for a while, but then your soul is going to be destroyed. It's not going to be eternal. And then there's this other thing that's not universalism, but it is kind of what I'm talking about is the, is the cleansing fire premise of hell. And, and Preston Sprinkle is a guy who started out believing exactly as you do, Ms. Diva. And then as he really started by diving in to the Bible, he and his partner, Francis Chan, um, they were writing a book to refute Rob Bell's Love Wins book. And he started to, um, Preston Sprinkle was surprised to find out that the Bible really didn't strongly support his belief of eternal damnation and eternal uh, pain and punishment. And I think if you really start to dive into it, you'll be surprised to find out the Bible says a lot less about it than you think. When Jesus was talking about Gehenna, he wasn't talking about an eternal hellfire place. He was talking about a dump outside the city. That never stopped burning because it had dead bodies and a lot of grotesque things in there. And so he was comparing things that you were going to go through to being thrown out into that dump heap. So, yeah. This is the sad thing about evangelical teaching to me is it makes people come on here and say, the Bible is clear. I hear that statement a lot. The Bible is clear. No, your interpretation is clear in your mind, but you settled on things that the church has argued about for centuries. And it's only recently, like within the last hundred years, that this fundamentalist, the Bible is clear belief system has settled into place. And it's causing a whole lot of terrible things to happen in our culture, up to and including January 6th. I believe it's an absolute root cause of what happened on January 6th. And so once we start saying, this is clear, there is no argument on this, we lose the truth of who Jesus really was and what he came to display. So I encourage you to talk to people that believe differently and be willing to hear instead of in all caps saying the Bible is clear. That just shows me that you've been taught and you're really afraid that if I start to hear something different than what I've always known, what am I going to lose? So let's not be afraid to hear other opinions. And so you see what happens is we get all caps, false teacher alerts and things like that from people that are really fearful of what if what I believe isn't true. Gosh, the evangelical church has been teaching this fear and keeping people in bondage with this fear for so long. It makes me really angry at the, the American evangelical church. Because if you look at church history, the church was very comfortable with saying, no, the Bible's not clear. We're going to wrestle with this together. Paul said, let's wrestle with our salvation together. All right, let me tell you a couple of things. Um, follow my page, share it with others. Um, don't be afraid to hear the opinions of others. It's not that scary. In fact, Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to your age that you're in. Don't be conformed to your bubble, but be transformed by the ongoing renewal of your mind. That's hearing new things and having your belief systems challenged. And why would we do that? It says so that we can know the perfect and good will of God. If we become settled in our belief systems and we're afraid to hear new things, we will not be able to hear the good and perfect will of God in a season. So, yeah. Thanks, Ms. Diva, for expressing your opinions. But I'm, 
I'm not having a problem because you disagree with me. I'm having a problem because you're so filled with fear and anger and I'm able to hear other opinions without shouting back, it is clear. Because what you're saying is not true. The Bible is not clear. There's great room for argument. So yeah. No, no, she doesn't have to leave. She just has to hear. I mean, I think it's great because God has given her a chance to hear from somebody who loves Jesus. And that's what happened to me. It's like the first thing that happened is I found out there were people who loved Jesus as much as I did who didn't believe in pre-trib rapture. And once that happened, that scared me to death. What else? Because I thought every Christian believed the same way that I did. And if you didn't believe any of these premises that I believed, you weren't a Christian. And when I found out there were Christians who disagreed with me, it started me on a path to what I believe today is I know Jesus better and know God better, who they really are, what the real character of the spirit of heaven is than what I believed growing up and what I believed most of my early adult lifehood. So I'm really happy Ms. Diva is here and the other person that said false teacher because it's important to hear that there are people who love God and who are doing their best to emulate Christ, but believe differently than you do. Why do I say you're fearful? Because once you say it's clear and it's unarguable in the Bible, that's showing that you're not willing to hear their other opinions and give room for people to disagree. And that's, that is the fearful, like worry about false teachers, afraid you're not going to have discernment, look out for wolves that come. Those are the teachings we do in the evangelical church on an ongoing basis that say to people, learning and thinking is dangerous. And it leads us to reject science. It leads us to reject education. It leads us to reject facts. And it's what we're seeing in our culture today. And it's an absolute bondage of fear that's being put on evangelicals again and again. So I believe it is 100% fear-based. It's what, it's what right-wing media is. It's like, we're going to feed your fears every day that those people are out to get you. Focus on the family is going to talk about a culture war, like they're coming to take your life away because fear, if I can tap into your fear, I can really control and manipulate you. And that's what right wing and Christian media is. So um, yeah, don't be, don't be harmed and imprisoned by fear. That's the whole of my message. You are valuable just as you are and you don't need to fear because if the spirit of God is in you, he's not going to let you be deceived. But it doesn't mean we have to say, the Bible says this and nothing else. And anybody that disagrees with me is not a Christian. CNN also capitalizes on fear. Yes, all media has their biases. I agree with that. And it is a real media tactic to play on people's fears. But it's incredible how much right-wing media has tapped into that ability. And then Christian media. You know, I used to listen to a lot of Christian talk radio. And I realized now they were doing the exact same thing. Yes, Lisa, I will pray for all of us. <laughs> never did answer your question. Fair enough. You know, Jesus never answered the Pharisees' questions either. So, yeah. So let's pray. My wife and I will come back at 1030 or so. So yeah, Lord, 
We love you and thank you for your spirit. So yeah, let the words from me that are from you and meant for people to hear to land, take root and grow. And the ones that are just from me as a human being, brush those off of people. Show us our identity from Matthew chapter four, how Jesus used understanding his identity to fend off the temptations around him. Show us how using faith as a weapon to say don't wear masks is really maybe something different than what we've been told. Guide us into all truth, Lord, with the ongoing renewal of our minds. You are a good God, and you don't leave us as orphans. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Follow my page. Share this stuff with others. Come back. Maybe we may be a little bit later than 1030 because I'm falling back. Thank you, Marcus Aurelius. Um, appreciate your questions, everybody, and hanging out with us. And even those that did it in all caps and called me false teacher. Bless you today. And you guys have a great weekend. And uh, yeah, as much as you can, hit the page. I don't know if if my shadow band's ever going to end and God's going to provide the path, even if it doesn't. Okay. Love you guys. Um, also go to the website, pastor-paul.com. Gosh, I forgot to mention 10 o'clock tomorrow is our spiritual gathering. <clears throat> and you can join us by a TikTok stream or on uh, in the Zoom room live. So go to pastor-paul.com, click on the events contact page, and it'll give you all the details there. All right. Bless you guys. Love you. Talk to you soon.